FM 100.5, AM Good morning and welcome back in, folks. The time, 8.15, as we're joined with Emily O'Neill. And I'm sorry, getting that mixed up. Emily Pegg joining us. And Dina O'Neill. Dina O'Neill joining us as well. Good morning, ladies. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining us today. Got my notes crossed up. We were talking off the air about the city of Chicago and some of the uh, fun things going on there. And... uh, we got a little backed up here, but thank you so much for joining us and coming on and uh, giving us a few minutes. No problem. So uh, tell us a little bit. Uh, we're going to talk this morning about Alzheimer's Awareness Month. Tell us a little bit about, um, you know, a little bit about Alzheimer's. What is it? And a lot of folks have kind of a pretty good idea, but we could start there. And uh, how how does the month look as far as, as outreach and, and knowledge and ways to learn more about it and, and combat Alzheimer's? Well, this week is what we call Paint the Town Purple. And so what we've done is we've talked to a variety of organizations and businesses, and we've asked them just to highlight purple items in their stores or wear purple for a day, different things like that, just to bring awareness to Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's is a disease of the brain. Um, It impacts people in a variety of ways. It's not going to necessarily hit two people the same way. Um, An example I could give are my grandparents. Both of my mom's parents were diagnosed with Alzheimer's. Both of them had completely different journeys with the disease. Um, With my grandfather, it impacted his language right away. So he had difficulty with short-term memory, long-term memory, finding the right word to say. Instead of saying, can you pass me that cup? He would say, can you pass me that rock? And he would have no idea that he said the wrong word. Now, with my grandmother, it was more a very slow disappearance, almost, of of her personality. She just withdrew, became less talkative, less social, uh, less interactive. She wasn't reading. She, She just kind of quietly kind of folded into herself. And it was just a completely different experience for for each of them, and that's that's Alzheimer's, you know. And so they said it's different for all people. I think is there a uh, you know maybe a lack of, of knowledge on some people's ends to kind of recognize that? Because I think a lot of us would think uh, you know it kind of makes you forgetful and, and that kind of thing. But there's a lot more to that it seems like, and there could be different stages and, and different ways to identify that. I think in the beginning it's kind of easy to explain it away and uh, think that perhaps it it might be something else. In my mother's case, uh, we didn't realize it, but she had been diagnosed before my father passed away. And what we were seeing that was Alzheimer's, we were attributing to grief for a period of time. We thought, well, she just misses dad. They've been married for over 50 years. 
they were childhood sweethearts. So I think for a lot of families in those beginning stages, it's easy to kind of explain those things away. But eventually things begin to happen that, that you cannot, that you have to go looking for different answers. So for things like Paint the Town Purple for the for the Alzheimer's Walk, which we're going to talk a little bit more about that, the, the goal is to raise money and bring awareness, get people more familiar with what it is. And, you know, right now with where we're at with that, is there, uh, is there a cure? Is there a way to combat it, to help it? I mean, where does that kind of stand? Because I know it's, uh, you know, a pretty serious thing. A lot of people, everybody, you know, probably knows somebody who's dealt with that. Um, but but what kind of, what, what, what are things that folks can do uh, where, where we're at now with that? Well, currently there is no cure for the disease. Recently, the FDA did um, approve a drug to help in the early stages of Alzheimer's, but um, it is it is just now out on the market. Um, in terms of what can we do to slow it, prevent it, try to help it from happening, um, there are several things you can do. One, diet. Having a healthy heart diet um, that's going to help your brain at the same time. So as much as we Southerners love our meat and three, it's not real great for our brain. <laughs> so we need to have a, a, a well-balanced diet. And uh, reading, reading is fantastic for your brain. It's a really complicated um, experience for your brain to go through. Your brain's doing a lot of different things, so that helps. Being social is another thing that's fantastic for your brain. Um, not smoking, um, alcohol, that'd be another thing. Exercise. Exercise, um, education, and that doesn't mean formal education necessarily. It just means continuing to keep your brain occupied and active. So doing those things like puzzles or different things like that, that's helping your brain. So there are a lot of different things that you can do to help prevent or slow possibly the progression of developing that disease. Now, somebody had, had described to me, um, you know, for something like that, your brain is kind of like a muscle. If you exercise it and use it, it'll stay strong. I don't know that a brain is categorized as a muscle, but it, and in that sense that if you use it and exercise it, it can stay strong. And if, you know, again, if you don't read and, you know, I don't know that everybody reads every day necessarily, maybe you read an article, you read on your phone, but sitting down and reading a book, those types of things, um, it could be a while. I think, when was the last time I went and read a book? But you, you got to do that. You got to exercise the brain and, and keep it moving. And that could be a part of it helping down the road, you're saying, is, is keeping your brain strong and healthy. That could help prevent uh, Alzheimer's potentially or delay it or, you know, maybe slow it. Exactly. It's just a part of keeping your brain healthy. And, you know, I had one doctor tell me, think of all the things that we've learned to do for a healthy heart that will help you have a healthy brain. Because if you think about it, We've, we've, for the last 20 years, been taught for a healthy heart, diet, exercise, no smoking, no drinking, all of those things. So there's definitely, you know, a correlation there that um, if you can adjust your lifestyle in that way, it will only assist you in having a healthier brain. So how long has Alzheimer's Awareness Month been around? Is this something that, that is kind of newer? Has this been something that's been going on for a while? And as far as what you ladies have done for, for promoting and um, you know educating and, and trying to raise awareness, how long have you been involved? I've been involved with the Alzheimer's Association for about 11 years. Around the time that I realized my mother had been diagnosed with Alzheimer's, someone invited me to attend the walk. And so that's how I became involved with the association. And so as long as I've been involved, September has been Brain Awareness Month. 
Um, I've been involved for the last four or five years, I would say. Um, the Alzheimer's Association has been around since the early 80s. Um, it began when a family, uh, the mom, received a diagnosis of Alzheimer's. And when the family started looking around for resources and information, they found there wasn't really anything out there. Um, it wasn't a disease really being studied or had any resources for it. And so they began that fight to develop those resources, to push for research into finding out more about the disease and what can we do to slow it and hopefully one day find a cure for it. So um, really when you look at the, the fight against Alzheimer's, it's not been around that long. I really feel like a lot of the information that we have available to us today, the medications that we have, are the result of the Alzheimer's Association. My grandmother was diagnosed when I was in high school. The, the only information you could get about that would have been like articles in magazines and newspapers, Wall Street Journal, Time Magazine. There weren't any books on the shelf in the public library. I looked. But now we have medications that slow the, progress, process, uh, the progress of the disease. Of course, there's no cure. It's the number one leading cause of death that doesn't have a cure in the United States right now. But we do have medications that can slow it down. We, have, we know things about the disease that we didn't know then. We know how it works. We know how it affects the brain. We know what it is. And so, you know, essentially when it kind of deteriorates your brain, your brain stops, um, you know, functioning like you said it normally would, but in different ways and different signs. Um, so this, this is something that often I'd imagine would lead to, to more issues and, and more health problems when you're not able to function at a, at a high level just because, you know, things that you know that name of somebody, name of something, you forget you have trouble, you know, remembering. So uh, when, when folks are, are plagued with something like this, um, how does their life change from then on out? I'm sure, you know, family members have to step up and take care of them. There's probably a lot of adjustments that have to be made, especially in the later stages. Well, the one difficulty is it's often diagnosed as something else because there is currently no test like a blood test or a saliva test that I could go in and know yes or no definitively I have Alzheimer's. So what the doctors have to do is a comprehensive physical to rule everything else out first because many of the signs of Alzheimer's can be the signs of other diseases or could be a side effect of a medication you're already on, for example, or another disease. So they have to rule a lot of things out before they can get to that. And then also, uh, I know with my family, they really struggled with accepting that, first of all, a diagnosis was needed. Um, they wanted to excuse behaviors that they were seeing. Um, until it got to a point where it was unsafe it, for my grandmother. She was found middle of the night, wandering the streets in her nightgown. Um, didn't know how she got there. Um, at, that was a huge wake-up call, and you don't want it to get to that point because that's a dangerous point to get to. Our guests this morning from the Alzheimer's Association, Dina O'Neill and Emily Pegg, and I wanted to ask you, you know, as well, um, 
when when they test you and you mentioned there's different things that they could think if you know it's a different disease could be a medication that you're taking how often does it get misdiagnosed to where somebody you know maybe has had it for a couple of years and it's progressively getting worse and then one day it kind of knocks on your front door like you mentioned with your grandmother where she's wandering in you know in the middle of the night because it doesn't start there right it kind of starts off a little bit slower maybe you're forgetful maybe you you know little things here and there and eventually it kind of it kind of amps up but um the, that's pretty common then for it to be misdiagnosed like that and um, you know, a year could go by. You might just think it's your medication, something like that. That could be that could be kind of tricky. Well, if you have two diseases that have very similar um, symptoms or signs, um, I can completely understand where you would start down one road thinking it was one thing until there was some definitive action or event that made you take a total left turn. <laughs> and go oh no maybe that's not it um so i don't think it's anything that is done i don't know not through a lack of 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 want or or need it's just there's too many similarities Mm -hmm. to other diseases Mm -hmm. and trying to tease it out to get the correct path sometimes takes time so it sounds like with what we know, maybe uh, preventative uh, maintenance might be might be a word to use. Things you can do earlier in your life to, to help this out is kind of the best way to attack it. Because once it happens, uh, you might you might not even know it at the time, and there really isn't anything to to cure it at the moment. So that you know is something that everybody kind of should just start now and and you know moving forward, try to be healthier and um, try to be try to be aware of you know the risks if this is something that you have. But there are ways to prevent it and slow it down. I think it's also important that if you do feel like your parent or your grandparent uh, might have Alzheimer's or another form of a dementia, that you would go to the doctor with them. Because a lot of times what happens is they go to the doctor and they can fake it for a doctor appointment. But what the behaviors you're seeing at home, the doctor needs that information as well. And your parent or grandparent may not communicate that. And they also may not come home and communicate to you exactly what the doctor said. You mentioned dementia. Is that kind of the same thing? Is that something that gets mixed diagnosed as well? Are there any differences between that and and Alzheimer's? Alzheimer's is a form of dementia, but there are thousands of forms of dementia. So Alzheimer's is just one form of dementia. Okay. So what are some different types of dementia that kind of falls under that blanket term? What are are different... Different, different signs. You mentioned there are different levels of it. Is that kind of the difference? Is, is different types of dementia? Maybe, maybe it's just how it affects you, or how how it it um, appears. Like there's a form of dementia that comes along with Parkinson's disease. A person who has lived a life where they've struggled with alcoholism or addiction. There's a form of, of dementia that can come along with that. There's another form that comes along with strokes, that can be identified as dementia post-stroke. So there, there are a wide variety. Alzheimer's is the most diagnosed of dementias. Mm-hmm. Um, if you think of cancer, you know, as a, as a global term, and mm-hmm. then there's several forms of cancer, dementia is the umbrella term, and Alzheimer's is one under the umbrella. Okay. Well, that's a lot of new information for me, and I think our listeners as well. Like I said, I wanted to kind of start off with that because a lot of folks know what it is, but, uh, you know, there's a lot more to it. And, uh, you know, the more you know, the more you know. So I wanted to ask you guys about the Alzheimer's Walk in correlation with September being Alzheimer's Awareness Month. Tell us about the walk. How do folks be involved? And, again, this is a way to raise money, to raise awareness, and, you know, to one day maybe, maybe find that cure, but work towards that goal. Well, the walk is November 6th. It's at Gateway Island. That's correct. Okay. And um, what it'll what'll occur is it's in the morning. 
people can go online to um, alz.org and look under their zip code for their local walk and they're asked to register ahead of time it's free it's free there's no charge to register um but they register and uh you know we have families come out to this walk and so you'll see multi-generational families you'll see little ones in strollers all the way to seniors being pushed in their chairs um and they they are celebrating almost the biggest support group of the day of the year um, is how we like to view it and it's amazing how you go in real excited and it's it's a lot of fun and people are really embracing each other and for me my very first walk i knew in my head all these people would be there but my heart was shocked <laughs> in the moment and i cried at my first walk because being surrounded by so many other people who had been through the same thing my family had been through was just so empowering and it was like just a giant emotional hug for me you can also bring your pets yes. i bring my dogs every year they always have costumes so we encourage a purple attire and this year, we are going to have a combination of a virtual and in-person event. So if there's still some people who, who would like to participate but not be around other folks, then there is that option for them as well. So I imagine a lot of the folks that come out to these events uh, have, have family members who have dealt with dementia and things like that. But, of course, we always encourage people for these types of things. It doesn't have to be that way necessarily. Bring out the community, and this is something, you know, you might... Uh, you might be proactive and learn something you didn't know and, and kind of take awareness to Alzheimer's before it does knock on your front door. We had our guests last week were uh, discussing heart health. And, and one of the things they said is for these events, you know, 99% of the people there have had a heart attack or have a, a spouse or a family member that has. He said, but one of the things we want to do is get people who haven't kind of gotten that far to gotten that step where they say, well, darn, you know, I had the heart attack. I wish I would have known this years ago. Um, different ways to be healthy in that. So this is an event, um, you know, I think we want to encourage people not to just wait until you know somebody with Alzheimer's or dementia, but but get out there and support these guys and help out. And, um, you know, again, that's that's the goal is to, to learn a little bit more and uh, uh, one day, you know, work towards that goal, finding a cure, finding uh, ways to combat dementia. So uh, people come out for the walk. How far is the walk? We encourage you to, to wear purple. I wanted to ask you about purple as well. Why is that Why is that the color? Do we... Well, the the color is because when you combine red and blue it it makes purple and um the symbol of alzheimer's it it is a head and a beaker um but a little curved and um you know more than six million americans are living with alzheimer's in the united states right now and so i think people don't talk about it and that's where this event is a great thing because it starts that conversation. Uh, many times I'll go and talk to a group and I'll, I'll ask everybody, raise your hand if you lost somebody to the disease. And people will raise their hands and I will see faces that are like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that. Oh, I didn't know you. Really? You did? Because people don't talk about it. And so this really opens that conversation up and lets people see that we're really connected more than we realize.
I think you know one of the hard things too is is for loved ones and family members, um, you know, people that and I, I could attest to this. My grandparents who are you know in their 80s and physically maybe they're not what they used to be. They might be a little slower to get around, uh, but mentally, you know, and a lot of people can can you know think of family members who who lived into their 90s even to 100 till the end. Uh, mentally, they were more or less more or less there and they were sharp, and you could still call them. You could still have those conversations. Maybe maybe not as active and uh, energetic as they once were but for something like this when you talk to your loved ones and you and you talk to them and you know it's just not them that's talking it's it's a kind of a broken down version of that and that that could be tough emotionally it's very tough and that's where support groups really come into play for the families mm-hmm. the the great thing about the Alzheimer's Association is um, the resources are not just for the person diagnosed because the person diagnosed is not the only one impacted. The entire family is impacted. So we have support groups that are locally led by not always professionals in the field. Sometimes they are led by family members. And that is their opportunity to trade stories, trade resources, and be that emotional support for each other. And that's huge because um, I've got some facts here that um, in 2020, in the state of Tennessee alone, we had 357,000 caregivers of people with Alzheimer's. And 66.7% of those caregivers develop chronic health conditions due to really the stress of caring for that loved one. And that was when we say caregivers, we're not talking necessarily professionally paid caregivers. We're talking about a daughter, a daughter-in-law, a son, a spouse, um, a niece, a nephew, somebody like that. Um, and it, it's really, it impacts those caregivers because they really, that becomes their world. And 29.8% of caregivers develop depression from really it kind of being isolating a bit because it's just so much. I think that's why events like the Walk to Alzheimer's are so important because it reveals to you the community that you have as a caregiver. It, you do feel a little isolated sometimes um, if your family members don't live close by. In my case, my siblings don't live in Murfreesboro, so the bulk of the care for my mom fell to me. It wasn't that they didn't want to help, they just couldn't. And so that gets a little difficult at times, but when you have Uh, when you meet people in support groups or you go to events like this if you have people that you can call in those moments when you think you just can't do it another day that's really helpful but you also get a lot of of tips to help you care for your loved ones people come up with very creative ideas to sort of redirect and um, do things to keep your parents at home longer if that's what you wish so all of that's important Yes, and definitely those tips are are huge. We have uh, the Alzheimer's Association has a hotline. It's staffed 24-7 by master's level clinicians. The number is 1-800-272-3900. And we have people from the person diagnosed calling to family members to professionals like nurses or paraprofessionals or physicians because that hotline is for everybody and they're going to be there to either suggest resources or if it's 2 a.m. and you have that loved one who can't settle down and they're having uh, a moment 
in the middle of the night, they're going to walk you through some tips and suggestions of what to do to help settle them down. All right. It looks like we got a caller on the line. We're going to see if they're still there. Good morning. You're on with the action line. Good morning. Good morning. Oh, what would we do without WGNS? You guys always come through. Let me tell you, yes, and to the listening audience about keeping up uh, uh, with this. Uh, the, what you all subject is about today, I hear about it all the time on different stations. That's what's going on. But the way I do and the way I did by playing music, learning and keeping up and being interested, keeping up the interest, I always kept the guitar around near me. And what I would do, I would go around people that I knew I could learn from. Don't hang around people that always talking negative and always was, you know, that you weren't happy with. I, I, me, myself, I love happiness. So anywhere I go, I, I always try to make other people happy. Happiness is power. And with my music, I went around musicians that I could learn from, and I would also kind of cheat because I would take my little old pocket recorder with me. And they go around people that's better. That way you can learn. Amen, somebody. I think that's what it's all about. And, uh, you know, you guys yes. mentioned uh, exercising the brain, keeping that there brain. There you go. Active. Go around smartness. Go around and teach. You can learn from even teaching. I taught a lot of kids in church music. You, and, I, and I catch myself, the more you teach, it also can help you. And you're exactly right. Music, music is uh, a different part of the brain yes, that is not impacted, as far as we can tell right now, uh, first in, yes, by Alzheimer's. And mm -hmm. so a lot of times music therapy does reach those Alzheimer's patients Ooh. because they are able to remember those songs from their childhood yes, or uh, remember entire lyrics of songs that I could never remember myself uh. and sing them. Uh, you know, perfectly. Mm -hmm. And so music, you are exactly right. Music is a wonderful used, thing. Because they used to laugh at me because they said, go get, Casey, uh, what key you in? Uh, call, yeah, Brother Casey, know the song. If I was blessed to, I didn't I catch it to her. Then I began to say, they always call me, and they would always, Casey, what key are you in? And I could, I, and I still remember this. I could remember I just always, that was a blessing from God. I could remember, and I would also, like I said, I would record stuff. I would also keep backpacks. I would write stuff down. But I could just record. I just could remember songs, keys, chord changes. I, let me tell you, the other thing, the more busy you are, the more it helps you all, people. The more happy you stay, the more it helps you. That's right. Y'all have a wonderful day. I appreciate you all show every day. Appreciate you all. Have a good day. All right. Thank you so much for the call. Yeah. He uh, said two things that I think are really important, music and happiness. Those were things that helped me as a caregiver. I created a playlist for my mom that had all of her songs that would have been popular and when she was a teenager or a young adult, and she loved that. I would put headphones on and play, and uh, she would sing along. But also the happiness factor. I would always choose every day to look for something that gave me joy and caring for my mom. And when you're looking for it, you always find it. And so I think that those are two key things that he said that are really important. 
Absolutely. So we got just a couple more minutes. Wanted to uh, have you ladies kind of run back through the details of the Alzheimer's walk. And, you know, again, this is, uh, I think we could do a whole nother hour on this topic, uh, but lots of resources available. So you mentioned the hotline, the website. Uh, could you run back through that one more time for folks who maybe are just catching up? Sure. The website is alz.org and the hotline is one 800 272-3900. All righty, and then tell us a little bit more about the walk. Um, the date's going to be November 6th. November 6th. The opening ceremony is set to start at 830. Uh, people are encouraged to register beforehand. Again, there is no charge for that. They can register as an individual, or they can also create a team if they'd like to do that in memory or honor of a loved one. There are a lot of people who do that and get their family uh, members and friends to to sign up for that as well. We also have a lot of businesses and organizations that support the walk and the Alzheimer's Association. The um, leading business for the walk to end Alzheimer's is Trust Point Hospital. They are the leading sponsor for the walk. And, um, you know, I, I could not go without mentioning NHC is one of the national teams and they are a huge support of the walk to end Alzheimer's not only here in Rutherford County but in all of their locations across the U.S. and honestly you know their support they work with these patients every day they don't do it just because of that though they do it because it truly hits their hearts and they really want to be able to give back in that manner and trust point is the same way they absolutely live and breathe this and believe it and we just couldn't do it without them all righty well thank you so much ladies emily peg and dina o'neill joining us from the alzheimer's association and uh, you know just to recap on my end i was, I was you know kind of started off by saying if you know somebody i mean all of us probably do um, you know, get out there and, and help support and bring awareness to this. And if you don't, it's important to support the community and those who do, you know, know people and, and be there for them. So, ladies, thank you so much for your time today. I uh, love having you on and we'll have to catch up again soon and uh, maybe get a recap uh, in November of the walk and let folks know how it went. Thank you. Thank All you. All righty. Thank you so much. We'll be back in just a few minutes. We're going to be joined by Brian Seedor from Blackman High as uh, he was taking on some crazy challenges earlier this summer to raise money for the library. The results are in. We're going to let you know how many books they were able to buy. And uh, we'll check in on Brian's health status after he ate, ate those hot wings a couple months ago that he said burned a hole in his stomach. So we'll, we'll be back with him in just a few minutes. Thank you. is Good Neighbor Events with Bart Walker. Brought to you by the Law Offices of John Day and AmeriCare Pest Control. It's time to mount a counterattack on mosquitoes and reclaim your yard. AmeriCare Pest Control can help you enjoy your yard again and protect your family from mosquitoes that can carry West Nile and encephalitis. Call 893-7111 to learn more about their mosquito control services. AmeriCare Services Incorporated. Licensed, insured, and bonded for your protection. Call the best of the best to get rid of your pets. 893-7111. Now WGNS Good Neighbor Events. The autumn leaves drift by your windows and land on the yard and kill the grass. So rake up those leaves and put them in piles within about five feet of the street, not in the street. The leaf pickup for Murfreesboro residents 
is October 1st through December 31st. Another fun event is Oktoberfest, 3 until 7 this Saturday evening at Oakland's Mansion. And be sure and check out the 9-11 exhibits all this month at the Lineball Library on West Vine in downtown Murfreesboro. This is the last weekend to enjoy the Music Man at the Springhouse Theater in Smyrna. And Depot Days in Smyrna is this coming Saturday from 10 in the morning until 4 in the afternoon. Let others know that you love WGNS. Come by the radio station and get one of our new bumper stickers. Put one of the new WGNS bumper stickers on your car and spread the word that WGNS has local news, local sports, and is your local radio station. Come on by and get a bumper sticker. Are you tired of constantly spending money on sprays and other things to control mosquitoes around your home? If so, come by Holden Hardware and get the Spartan Mosquito Eradicators. When used properly, the Spartan Mosquito Eradicators will kill mosquitoes. Come by Holden Hardware on the square and get the Spartan Mosquito Eradicators. This year, make mosquito control easier and cheaper. Come by Holden Hardware on the square and get the Spartan Mosquito Eradicators. Hi, this is Amanda from Animal City. We are here in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and our family would love to help your family take care of your pets. If the heat and humidity has you spending lots of time indoors these days, we have all of the things you need to relax at home with a calming aquarium. Here at Animal City, we have both saltwater and freshwater fish and an experienced staff that can help you take great care of either. Animal City is at 919 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. Hi, this is Peter Demas with Demas's Family Restaurants. During these hot summer days, nothing tastes better than a cold, refreshing salad. Demas's Restaurants offer a chicken salad that is served within a pineapple with a bed of lettuce beside of it that is crispy with our homemade dressings. It is a treat for those hot days just to be cool and refreshing. We encourage you to come and try Demas's Restaurant at 1115 Northwest Broad Street. That's Demas's Restaurants. Hi, this is Becky Bookner, and I'm just so proud to talk about the veterans in our community and what an incredible gift they've given all of us, and that's our freedom and the right to live in this country, and we're so grateful to them for the sacrifices they've made. Precision Air knows you want the air inside your home as safe and clean as possible. Clean the air in your home with an affordable UV system, reducing microorganisms including bacteria, viruses, and allergens. Call Precision Air, 615-930-0088. That's 615-930-0088. Hi, this is Gator with Tire World Off-Road. We're your local rough country dealer. So when you're ready to add some character to your rig, ask for Gator at Tire World Off-Road on Memorial Boulevard. This is Sean Brown at Tire World on Broad Street. Online at tireworld.us. Restoration One of Middle Tennessee. A team of experts and immediate responders who help homeowners after disaster strikes. After disaster strikes. Fire, water, or storm damage. We can help you get your life back to normal quickly. Restoration One Middle Tennessee.com. Locally and veteran. I struggled with symptoms like frequent gas and stomach pain for years. I was bloated all the time with daily diarrhea. At first, I thought it was what I was eating. I kept thinking it was stomach issues. So I did my research and talked to my doctor, and we finally uncovered the truth. It It was was actually actually EPI. 
Exocrine pancreatic insufficiency, or EPI, is a condition where your pancreas is unable to help break down your food. It can lead to symptoms like diarrhea, gas, bloating, stomach pain, unexplained weight loss, and oily stools. And EPI symptoms can be confused with those of other common digestive conditions like irritable bowel syndrome, Crohn's, and celiac disease. So getting to the right diagnosis meant being more open with my doctor about the severity of my symptoms and how often they were happening. But there's good news. EPI is manageable, so don't wait any longer. Use the symptom checker at identifyepi.com and schedule a visit or call with your doctor to ask, Could Could I I have have EPI? EPI? Sponsored by AbbVie. Old friends, new name, better together, as First National Bank of Murfreesboro transforms into Capstar Bank, our focus is on you. We're entering a new generation of banking in Rutherford County, but we'll always remain a community bank with local people you trust and uniquely exceptional service you deserve. We're at 2230 Mercury Boulevard, capstar.com. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. morning, folks. Welcome back in on this Friday as we are joined. And this is going to be a fun uh, conversation because uh, Brian Seedorf joining us from Blackman High and uh, he's a librarian there who uh, was the brave man who was behind the Title Wish fundraiser. And we'll talk a little bit more about what that was. Uh, if, uh, folks were unfamiliar if they didn't uh, join us that particular morning. Uh, but Brian, good morning. Welcome in. Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much. So I think we should probably start this off just in case anybody's not familiar if they're saying, you know, what the heck are these guys talking about? Uh, maybe just kind of a, a rewrap, a rerun of the Title Wish fundraiser. What was it, about two months ago? You guys were raising money to get new books on the shelves at the library. Uh, but the interesting part is are some of the challenges that you went through to uh, to try to help raise money and meet these marks. Oh, that's it. We I'll do anything to get new books for my uh, high school library that I work at at Blackman High in we did a fundraiser where every certain amount of money, I would do a completely ridiculous thing. Uh, one of those was wear a Brave shirt, which is ridiculous for me. Sorry, Braves fans. And um, But one of those that was painful was we hit $1,000, and I had to eat some hot wings, hot, hot wings, and that was recorded and sent out, and that was painful. And then even more painful was running the ROTC obstacle course, the Field of Fire, I thought that was a good idea, but I am 40 now, and it was not a good idea. And uh, But we kept making more and more money, and the end was we made $2,100. That is incredible. So uh, a whole lot of new books and, you know, not just, I'm sure, replacement books. There are certain books, I'm sure, that get rented out more that, uh, you know, go through a little quicker, but also new books, uh, new publications that have just come out in the last few years. That's exactly right. I mean, I was able to order 115 new books, which is that's just a, a just a gift that we were given from the community who, who did that. I know Z's Comic Book uh, Store over on Medical Center. They helped and donated some, and they just helped so much. But then all the other people just donating money, and I had my wish list, and it was so nice to replace some old ones and lost books, and then brand new fiction that came out over the summer that I usually can't buy until November. And that's, it's just been a beautiful thing. Blackman High Librarian Brian Seedorf joining us. Uh, we got a listener question. They're asking if your ulcer from the hot wings has healed yet. Are you still dealing with uh, the repercussions? Still dealing, dealing with the repercussions. I, I, well, what's the problem is that, well, here's this part. We're doing it again in the spring. 
And now that the chef knows what to do in these hot wings, he is going to make some hot wings the one chip challenge. And it is a challenge that is supposed to be the hottest, hottest you can have. And he's going to crush up the chip and coat a wing with it so I can eat that if you heard a certain <laughs> amount in the spring. So that uh, is that is that something you normally get into eating spicy food even on like a smaller level, or was that you know the students just being clever and, and knowing that's not something you're uh, you're all about normally? Oh, he they know, and Chef Penix knows, and Chef Walls knows that I can eat spicy, but I think they're really trying to be mean this time. <laughs> um, the one bad thing about last spring with it. It happened to be in one of our COVID days where we were out, so no students saw it. It was just in front of teachers. Well, this time I'm planning on eating these hot wings in a full cafeteria so that kids can watch me squirm. And that was kind of a neat thing, uh, kind of out of necessity, but you guys were live streaming a lot of these. And, um, you know, because it was, uh, you know, earlier this year when uh, restrictions for COVID and that were even tighter and uh, you weren't able to do it in front of a live audience. So is that going to help? You're talking about next spring, you guys are going to be doing this again. I'm I'm assuming kind of the same idea for another fundraiser for more books. Uh, But are you going to be doing all these challenges in front of the students, the snake handling, the obstacle course? That might help, right? They might cheer you on. That might give you a little boost. That's what I'm hoping. I haven't, I've always thought the more I can have students involved, the better. And absolutely, I'm going to have it in front of the cafeteria. I have some new ideas coming up, um, some things that I can make an absolute fool of myself. Hey, but if it means I can have $2,100 so I can buy 115 more books or more, I'll do whatever I can. Now, where do these uh, book ideas come from? I know you had a wish list, and I'm sure, again, there are certain books that get rented out more, that, that get lost, that get used more. But is this something the students can can request, teachers, part of the school? Does anybody have any kind of say in what books are coming in? Absolutely. We have our book club that we have coming in. And then um, I have a list going. Many students come by uh, to, to get and have some ideas from books. I had a student just last week say, do you have these 10? And no, there are 10 that I needed to have. I added that to the list, and so I'm. And this is some of the biggest checkout, library checkout we've had in two or three years. In the midst of chaos in a pandemic, these kids are coming in to check out, and they are reading, and it's quite the joy. Now, if I go back to uh, to my uh, time in school, and even you know maybe even before high school, but uh, middle school, and that the uh, the Ripley's Believe It or Not, do they still have those books, the big Ripley's Believe It or Not books that are, you know, there's not a lot of reading involved, but they're just the, the weird uh, records that people have broken that are in there, the, you know, the highest stack of bricks, the most Cheerios eaten in an hour, weird stuff like that. Do those still float around the library? Or are those still a hot item? Oh, they are. They're still there. There's kids still love to get those. In fact, something uh, I would love to have in the Ripley's Believe It or Not, for those of you that were have been around Murfreesboro for 20, 30, 40 years, I would like to put in that Ripley's Believe It or Not, the legend of the Davis Market, which used to be across from NTSU President's home, the I am still here because of the legend of Davis Market, and I bought something in 1999, and I have not broken the curse. If you know, if you're here, you know what it means to break the curse, <laughs> uh, the legend of Davis Market. So I am so thankful that I never broke the curse, so now I'm here getting more books from my library. Now, maybe there's something to that. The You know, we're, we're living in, uh, I've heard, one of the quickest growing populated areas in the country, of, of anywhere in the country, Middle Tennessee, uh, particularly Rutherford County, Murfreesboro, Smyrna growing. Uh, does that have anything to do with maybe the, all the people that are moving here, but the fact that nobody's leaving because of this curse, so that the numbers are staying high? We're not losing anybody, and we're gaining people on top of that. 
That's right. They, uh, <laughs> we're, not, we're not losing any. That that must be it. That's the reason it is. That's correct. <laughs> Hey, wanted to uh, you know briefly while we got just a few more minutes here, uh, tell us a little bit about you know when we talked a few months ago, and one of the reasons behind these challenges obviously was the fundraiser. But you wanted to do something fun. Uh, it's been a tough school year, and a you know for staff and students this year, last year especially. Um, so you wanted to do something fun. Talk about that side of a little bit, the impact that that had to kind of to shake things up a little bit, give the students something to smile about, and probably one of the toughest years of of school anybody will have. Oh, I did just. Uh... You know, and had so many students be able to see. And the, when the ROTC students, when they were showing me how to do the field of fire, and they're jumping over walls and they're climbing stuff and going through tubes, and to be able to see the the joy, and they were laughing at me too, which is fine, <laughs> of me trying to run through this, and you see some ownership, you see some pride that they can do these things and they can show me how to do those. There was a sense of school pride in the middle of that chaos. And then when that, that obstacle course was done, there was a sense of accomplishment, even for me and a sense of pain afterward, but there was a sense of accomplishment that they could show me that we could do that too. And it was all for this good cause. And it really was just an incredible feeling for the school. Well, absolutely. Always a pleasure to catch up and uh, and always always uh, something exciting going on with the uh, library department at Blackman High. So looking forward to challenges next year. Are there going to be new challenges? Are you taking suggestions? I mean, we could kind of get the ball rolling now and really just come up with some great stuff if we have, you know, six or seven months to work on this. Oh, I would love to have some kind of um, I, w- I would I would like to have some kind of challenge for basketball to play horse with a student. And I'm pretty sure I could beat them all, but I would like to have uh, uh, to play horse against one of the star basketball players. I think that can be arranged. Maybe, maybe we could get you to play with the uh, the tallest high school or the tallest basketball high school one on one, and uh, see see how you fare there. Horse is good though. Horse, you know, you can uh, you can you can really sink somebody if you're you're not great at basketball, but you're great at horse. You can you can uh, you know get those weird shots in, and uh, you know they're not used to that. Usually, you're you're trying to shoot a more reasonable shot during the game. Uh, anything goes in horse. That's it. I can. I could. I could. It just that little, just a little bank in can really throw some people off. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, we always appreciate you joining us and uh, giving us a few minutes on this Friday morning. Any final thoughts to wrap up? And I just want to thank you guys again uh, for coming on and uh, hanging out with us. Absolutely, I'm really excited about our next Title Wish fundraiser that will be coming in the spring, hopefully with a school full of kids who can cheer us on and anything to get new books coming in for our, for the students at black and high and anything i could do for my school and go blaze all righty fantastic well that'll uh, wrap us up brian thank you so much you're welcome have a good morning everyone all righty guys lots going on over at blackman high never a dull moment and uh, the title wish fundraiser successful this year gonna be doing again next year so we're looking forward to that truman jones coming up next with some live music on this friday stay with us you're listening to news radio wgns News Radio, WGNS, Murfreesboro, the voice of Rutherford County, and the flagship.